0: Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. We got another great show on tap today. We continue our conversations with the MSOs, multi-state operators. We have Jushi now, uh, which is Trent is on the show, the chief commercial officer at Jushi Holdings. It's a great conversation about how they got started, how they won licenses, how they set up retail, what's the future of delivery. We also talk about kind of the current state of the other MSOs and where the stocks are today. They're way down. Spoiler alert. Is that mean that there's better deals? Are we waiting for uplisting? What's coming next? Trent has an amazing outlook on all of this. You're gonna love the episode. I learned a ton. You're gonna learn a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Hey, guys, if you could just do me a quick favor and write us a review wherever you listen to this, Spotify or Apple or whatever, Uh, it really does help us. It's free. It's an easy thing to do. And you can put whatever you want. You can be funny. Brandon talks too much or, you know, something you learned would be great. Anything you want to throw in there. Five stars. Much appreciated. It does really help us out. Uh, Thanks for doing that. Trent, so nice to meet you, man. Thank you for having me at uh, what is this, Juicy Barracks
1: West, something like that? That's it's not too bad over here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're, we're you know we're fortunate enough to be um, developing a, a retail storefront here in Culver City, so um, you know we've made a promise to the the community here to be good stewards um, with one of those those three retail licenses. So, yep. you know, here we are, uh, you know, getting getting to enjoy uh, and check checking out. Uh, You know, the wonderful city that is L.A.
0: I want to get into all that, um, but not too bad to be on a rooftop in Culver City in the sun, I would say, from your perspective being out here.
1: No, it's it's um, it's a nice break from all the travel and all the hustle and bustle that, uh, you know, us as Jushi have been going through the growth we've been going through for the, the, you know, the last three plus years now. And uh, it's always nice to kind of get away and enjoy, uh, you know, Culver City, L.A., Big city, but also you know the beach and and all that good stuff to to be able to to reset every once in a while for sure. Um, so Juicy a name a lot of people are going to know that listen to this
0: show, um, but I love to hear from like the source. How do you describe what Juicy is?
1: Sure. So um, you know Juicy is a vertically integrated multi-state operator, uh, publicly traded. Um, we are, you know, I think starting to work towards that that tier one um, of of actual operators from a um, business that's growing from a revenue perspective, an EBITDA perspective, um, being in the right markets, um, and going to see amazing growth over the next you know twelve to twenty-four to thirty-six months. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on that front, we're really coming into our own as a, a true operating company. I think up until this point, you know, we've been phenomenal allocators of capital, stewards of capital, and so you know, we're in that unique position to where we've been able to really marry the two. And I think that's why you've seen spectacular growth um, and respect and, uh, you know, continued progress for, for Juicy as a whole.
0: Mm-hmm. You talked about a lot of things I want to unpack there. Um, let's talk about, you sort of said, like you're growing into one of the biggest ones here, right? Kind of put yourself in the landscape, right? There's the, there's the true leaves, there's the CGCs, right? When you think about where you land there, how do you place yourself in that landscape?
1: yeah, look, I think um you know we're 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 not the Cura Leafs doing three hundred and twelve million dollars a quarter mm-hmm. um you know that that's a very real number uh you know the g t i s the Crescos the true leaves um you know are are in that class that you know have a good head start. I'd throw Verano in there too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um just from an operational perspective look they 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 were coming out of the right markets uh florida and in illinois, yep. Um, And so I think, you know, there's that tier of of folks and then and then there's, you know, the next tier of those what I'd call, you know, one a group that have and will grow into growth um, are in the right markets. The Pennsylvanias, the the Virginias, the Ohio's, um, you know, those those next markets, uh, Maryland um, that are that are, you know, have a good mature medical market. Um, but are really starting to look at and try to understand what a, an adult use program mm-hmm. um, would look like in those states. So, you know, the Terra um, the Ayers, um, you know, Jushi is, is right there. Um, the Ascends are, are, are right there as well, I'd say. So take me through the strategy a little bit, if you would, at this point, like the thesis.
0: Like, do you guys want to be the biggest? Is there this niche that you're going for? You know, tell me about that. A little.
1: Yeah, so I, I, I think... I think Jushi is a, a unique position. So, um, you know, there, there's four co-founders um, and, and then, you know, myself and, and then a lot of the early management have put in a lot of our own personal real dollars. Uh, we never gave ourselves the penny warrants or anything along those lines. So, you know, Jim Cassioppo, who's our, uh, one of our founders, he's the chairman, CEO, um, a- along with Dennis Arsenal, John Barrick, Eric Moff. Um, and, and, then, like I said, a lot myself and a couple other, you know, man, managers have, have put in, you know, 60 plus million dollars of our own cash. That's a lot. And, and it is, um, and, and that was early on. And, you know, we, we were investing right alongside with all the folks that were putting in, um, early equity capital, uh, as well as debt capital for, for that matter. Um, and so what, what we always say is we, probably won't be the biggest cannabis company from a a revenue perspective. We'll get there. I mean, we'll be a big revenue producing company. I would say, you know, I can easily map out with our current assets, you know, we'll, we'll be a billion dollar revenue company, you know, come 2024, 2025. Um, But, but we will be the best return for shareholders because we're the biggest shareholders on a risk-adjusted basis. I heard you
0: say that exact quote on my friend Ben Kovacs' show uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, whatever. Unpack that a little bit. There's a lot of things in there. So I think you said, we may not be the biggest MSO, like you just said, but we'll have the best return for shareholders on a risk-adjusted basis. Explain what you you mean by that.
1: Yeah, so we we, we have a term within Jushi. um, There's the billionaire bust. So these, Um, some of these CEOs um, that have ran uh, cannabis companies here in the US and I would start throwing in a lot of those uh, Canadian CEOs they are billionaire or bust they are going to shoot for making a billion dollars or they are literally going to go to zero a bust Um, and so there is a lot of risk associated when you're aligning yourself from an investor perspective With somebody that has that mentality, Mm -hmm. it's it's to the moon or it's it's a zero. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas you know, Juicy is in a unique perspective that you know we we don't we're not going to zero. Mm -hmm. like Jim Cassioppo uh, is not going to let that happen. And so we take a very calculated um, you know look at markets on on where we're going to get in, when we're going to get in. And so when I say on a risk adjusted basis. yeah, you may not get the 100x um but you're going to get a, you know, 10 20x, but you're also not going to get a zero. So maybe the best way to
0: put it is like the best risk reward ratio? Correct. Maybe. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that
1: that that's that's a a very straightforward way yeah. of of putting risk adjusted basis yeah. And, yeah, in yeah. in layman's terms. Thank for you sure. for
0: explaining that. I think these yeah. things get thrown around, you know, and it's like risk adjusted, right? Um How much do you, you just did a really good job of sort of the landscape MSOs, which no surprises, what you do every day. How much do you communicate with the other MSOs? You know, how much partnership is there or comparing notes? Yeah, I I think,
1: um, you know, Jushi uh, is in a great perspective. Uh, We don't have a lot of overlap. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be in the industry now for, you know, full-time 10 plus years uh, coming out of, of Colorado. And so... You know, been able to uh, interact and see a lot of these companies grow from, you know, early stage days when we were all competing for, you know, an Illinois license or a Florida license or, you know, all these other states that, you know, early on, we all kind of knew what was coming and what the uh, the availability was and, and the opportunity was. Um, so it's been exciting to be able to, you know, grow that network and see a lot of the the good folks, you know, come um, you know, to, to the top and, 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 uh, you know, like I always say, cream rises to the top. And so, um, yeah, look, we, 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 we do a lot of work with a lot of the major MSOs. Um, you know, we all, um, you know, are able to sit down and kind of think through and talk strategically, obviously with this industry changing, you know, at a breakneck pace, uh, and growing at a breakneck pace, um that's the only consistent in, in cannabis is change. Mm-hmm. And so um, being able to, you know, sit down and, and really talk to and understand and get a feel for what folks are thinking um, it is, is a big piece. Um, and, you know, Jushi, we do a really good job of, you know, maintaining all those types of relationships, but also, you know, we're deal guys, we're finance guys, we're originators, we're, you know, we're always out in the flow of every single market and so, you know we get a really good perspective of you know what what's going on at an operational level and and at a you know a small business level as well and so you know there there's that unique opportunity uh from what we've built on the management side at, at juicy to you know be able to sit on both sides of the trade, as I like to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Yeah, absolutely. I think there's this narrative that you guys all like hate each other and you're all competing. Oh, right? But that. it's just not, it's just not that <laughs> no, way. No, right? look, yeah. look, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a shareholder in a lot of the other MSOs. Yep. Um, and I pick and choose which ones I, I go with, not based on my relationship, but, but what I, you know, what I can glean from, you know, reading and sure. understanding. And, and no, like I, I I think that's a major misconception. I think a lot of us work, but you really agree well that together. there is that sort oh, of a, misconception. A, yeah. abso- absolutely. I mean, d- don't get me wrong. There, there's some sometimes uh, that you know we we don't see eye to eye, and you know it's it's part of business. Yeah, it's business. Um, yeah. And, and so um, I, I think that's that's definitely a, a misnomer, but you know not something that at least for me we d- we deal with. So if I put my investor hat on here.
0: And increasingly there's more retail investors, right? That sort of have money, but don't, don't know that much, right? And when we talk about the future of being uplisted and what that means for more capital available out there, well, if I look at the cannabis industry as a whole, not just you guys, it's down about 50% from where the high level was, right? So then if you're a smart investor, you say, well, there's some amazing deals out there today, right? But then you have to pick which ones you want to invest in. Um, what's the best way to evaluate these MSOs?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think there's, there's two ways to look at that and two ways to play it as a, a retail investor. Um, you know, the easiest one is, is going into um, MSOs, which is like an index fund, and mm-hmm. they hold and allocate capital, you know, based on how they see fit. Um, you know, that, that's a good way to get, get some diversified exposure. Um, and, and look, I, I think, I think the most easiest way to look at it right now is, um, looking at, at a company's balance sheet and understanding, um, the capital stack, um, do they have more debt than they, you know, th- than they have cash? <laughs> I mean, that, that's a pretty, that's a big no, no. Um, but it's something that I feel like people overlook all, all the time. They're
0: so concerned with top line growth. Correct. All the time. Yeah.
1: Correct. You know, h- how are you servicing that? Um, you know, we're, we're in a industry and I'll just do some quick math. Um, you know, Cowan thinks that it's a hundred billion dollar industry by 2025, you know, 2026, let's just say 2025. Um, we all do about a 30% EBITDA once it kind of gets normalized. Um, So that's a a $30 billion industry number. Um, Typically, you know, a CPG or alcohol or or some big nationalized consolidated industry trades at, you know, about 20 times EBITDA. That's a $600 billion market just Mm -hmm. in the United States. And so, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. We're all down at least 50. Uh, And, you know there's been nothing that has caused that sell-off we're all performing better fundamentally nothing's um, changed no, no, no nothing yeah. nothing has changed it's the summer so there's the sell-off and and look it's just it's it's pretty simple so if if you think and trust that math and let's just say I'm off by 20 percent I'm down 20 percent so that 600 turns into 480. I don't even think if you added all of the US MSOs up right now, we're worth 48 billion. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's just simple. You have to pick a company that isn't going to go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And you'll get a 10X. Mm-hmm. You know. Just it, by surviving. Just by you're surviving. Gonna get that growth. And and so, you know, that that to me is a an exercise that, you know, a lot of people can look at, understand, do the diligence, read about the company. Um, you know, there's unfortunately been some additional, you know, bad news with one of the bigger MSOs that came out over the weekend, um, a- around, you know, uh, the individual's husband. Um, and, and, you know, that's, I think been a downer for, for the industry the last couple days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you, it's just, it's, it's stuff like that. And then, Obviously, the, the truly, de- or excuse me, the um, Tilray deal with MedMen that just hit the press uh, ago. this afternoon, you know, it's super interesting. MedMen's a zombie company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had 350 plus million in debt and they had zero cash. Um, oh, by the way, you know, uh, Tilray has an option um, to convert their debt of, I think they bought it at 170 million-ish for about 21% of what they could convert into. Um, you know, that equates to pretty much 21-ish percent on a fully diluted basis for MedMen. So you know, they, they just paid what would be an equity value of $800 million. That's a 60% premium to where MedMen closed out on Friday, which you know, it, it, I think it, that shows you know, two aspects these Canadians are chasing um, and they're, they're trying to chase the continued- they little desperate. Rat, ta- rat tail, they're, de- they're desperate. And they're just buying top, top line revenue and, mm-hmm. and a name. I, like, you know, I think any of us know, you know, MedMen has the red bag, they have the red storefront, but like, <laughs> I don't think nine out of 10 consumers care about that. Like, look, I, 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 I will be the first one to say there aren't any national brands in yeah. cannabis. Yeah. Um, MedMen got about as close as you could. Look, when you go on South Park and they make fun of you, yeah, that's... you, you, you kind of make it. You made right? it, yeah. Um, and, and so, um, and look what happened. They went to, you know, they, they didn't go to zero, but, but you know, they got in trouble and, and the equity was pretty much wiped out. They just got saved today. But, you know, that 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 begs the question, you know, they had zero, they will have zero EBITDA mm-hmm. this year in 2021. Mm-hmm. That's remarkable. And so that, that, that goes to show you what a company that has proper EBITDA, a clean balance sheet mm-hmm. should be worth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, am I gonna trade up 60% tomorrow? I should. Jushi should, mm-hmm. GTI should, mm-hmm. Verano should, but we're not, mm-hmm. because I, I don't I just unfortunately with where the U.S. cannabis is from an investor standpoint, it's not normalized, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we're in this massive arbitrage opportunity for investors that know and understand and want to learn about us U.S. companies to be able to ride that ride. You know, the tidal wave that is coming. We try to build out you know projects that are hundreds of millions of dollars infrastructure tens of thousands of jobs you know massive tax inflow to states and i do that all through financing with no you know with no traditional debt no traditional mortgages no traditional equity dollars so i'm trying to build this elephant of a business that eats capital Super capital intensive to service this massive market of a hundred billion dollars, which I think is light because a lot of people smoke cannabis in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have a keyhole on who we can actually get capital from. And so, once that keyhole is unlocked, which you know is hopefully going to happen here shortly with um, you know, uh, national normalization, safe banking, so on and so forth that flood is just going to come, that tidal wave, that tsunami. And, you know, I, I just have to comp against this MedMen deal. And, you know, look, look, what's going to happen with the real companies that have and do, you know, 50, 60, $70 million of EBITDA in a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Juicy's going to get there as well. Um, you know, we've made some good strategic acquisitions and some big growth markets, Pennsylvania, Virginia being, you know, two of those. Um, I want to
0: talk a little yep. bit about that. So uh, you're very well known for the finance side and the M&A and sort of the traditional stuff, right? I think if there's a criticism from retail investors, it's sort of like, do you have the cannabis operation uh, skills? Do you, do you have that acumen? And obviously you can learn it. But yep.
1: what's your answer to that? Um, just look at my four Illinois stores. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're we're gonna do, you know, anywhere between sixty to eighty million dollars out of four stores. Mm. F- find another person that has four stores that perform that well. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like we have a, a strong grasp on retail and we've built out a phenomenal team and we just hired another, you know, seasoned executive and um to that comes from a real retail um, chain mm-hmm. Apothe- uh, ap- apothecary Yep. Uh, built that from you know a couple stores to 170. Uh, that's a real person you know coming to to help build our and continue to build on uh, the strong foundation that we've laid on on the retail side. Now I have 13 stores in Pennsylvania. I think I'm doing pretty well in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. In fact, I know I'm doing better than the market in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. on a per store basis. Um, so, you know, I would say, you know, just, just you can go look at our results um, financially and see the performance, um, you know, fair question on the cultivation manufacturing side. Um, however, I, w- I would point to, you know, our, our center of excellence that we have in, in Denver, Colorado, uh, The it's the lab, the clinic um, and, and the bank, mm-hmm. um, you know, those are very well known folks um, within the industry um that you know i've been fortunate enough i've known them you know through my days at american cannabis company and through my days at the green solution in colorado i mean they were the they they were the uh in colorado you know from 09 until 2015 Mm -hmm. um and you know oh by the way they helped ben kovler win his first license in illinois so Mm -hmm. you know it would be a great question for him to say Do those guys know how to operate? Yeah. Well, Um, I I think the
0: interesting thing about that criticism is who has experience
1: operating retail and cultivation at this scale? No
0: No one. We're we're just doing it now.
1: Like, yeah. Like like (laughs) operating a a 10 light grow in your basement versus a 100 light grow. And, you know, what what went from, you know, a a thousand square feet to 10,000 square feet. I mean, that was a big jump for us back in the day. Mm -hmm. Going to like 25,000 square feet was like... Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! What's you know? What's that? Oh, now it's a a hundred thousand square feet of a facility. Oh, by the way, that's like you know, maybe forty fifty thousand square feet of canopy. Like, I don't think you understand. I'm I'm going to have hundred and seventy five thousand square feet of canopy in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. over the next you know let's call it twelve to eighteen months as I build out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's that's insane. Ver, I mean, Verano Cresco. GTI, um, you know, all those guys, Cura, I mean, 250,000 square feet of canopy is mind blowing. Yeah. For, for us that have been in the industry for, you know, five years, 10 years, like let alone the last year, it's, it's just- Three years, yeah, it's it, crazy. It's, it's, it's yeah. just crazy, it's, it's a different way to um, cultivate and look at business. Um, and, and look, I, you know, I'm a firm believer that there will always be the craft cannabis Um, that are going to be the indoor, indoor folks that grow under HPS and have just killer genetics. And there's going to be a market for that. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be people that need to, um, produce at a large scale that is, that are going to grow good solid cannabis under LED, um, to be able to supply a market that is just going to be structurally short cannabis, as it gets ramped up, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not everybody has access to $30 million to build out a a 90,000 square foot, you know, canopy that we're doing in Virginia. I would say there's, you know, a select few folks that can actually do that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, look, I, I, I think there's always going to be that learning curve to scale. Um, to understand and look at cannabis on, on multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> we we weren't doing any sort of concentrates, you know, back in 2013, 2014 and it, it and all of a sudden it just popped. Yep. It's on the scene. And oh now now by the way, you know, we were running, you know, 1 liter, 2 liter machines. Now we're running 50, 100 liter machines. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just phenomenal on yep. how quick the scale has come and, you know, the, the learning curve, again, you're, you're going to just have to rec- recruit and build a, a bench of people to continue to expand and continuously learn. Just like any other business, right? A- ab- yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, in tech, you can scale um, because you build the platform, you build the algorithm, you know, you're kind of good, right? Um, unfortunately, cannabis isn't manufacturing it isn't tech it isn't a lot like these other industries as much
0: as we want it to be
1: it, it's an it's agricultural yeah. crop
0: yeah far too many people made the mistake of comparing it to the technology industry correct and the way
1: that those financing rounds happen and it's just not that way it's just not that way it's just not that way it um, takes five to six months to get a crop and i don't care how <laughs> how much you want it to cash flow it doesn't cash flow overnight okay. you can't flip a switch and produce a no, widget it doesn't work that way and all of a sudden you know quadruple your revenue
0: it just doesn't work like um, that you brought up tech there are so many different technologies coming into this industry right for cultivation and distribution and everything you could imagine what sort of your guys take on that are you an early adopter how do how do you take those meetings i mean there's everything from like ar vision <laughs> whether there's mites on your shit to yep. like drone i don't know you know it's yeah. how do you guys think
1: about that yeah look um no, no we're definitely not early adopters on that one now we'll look at and understand and get a sense for you know what we think may or may not work but we won't we won't be the fir- first ones to do it um you know i think it'll be in very interesting over the next you know, 12 to 18 months as we see federal normalization um, on who and what company is ready to come into the space. Um, would I rather have Square be doing my payment processing or would I rather have Joe Schmo who has this massive workaround <laughs> who, you know, God only knows if it's legal um, processing and holding cash for me. Yep. Well, I know what that one, I know the answer for that 10 out of 10 times. And let me guess, you don't want to take it in crypto either. <laughs> You're no, not no, interested. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, I don't want to render to the volatility that is the crypto. I already have enough volatility in my life with cannabis.
0: Well, it's against everything you've said up until this point, C- right? Correct. About fundamentals and even yeah. and, and all Yeah, look,
1: things. look, I... I uh, Man, I can't believe I'm going to say this uh recorded, but I was the smart individual that put money into Bitcoin at at $7. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I sold it at $33 oh, and have not bought it back since. Oh, man. Um, you know, so it's um you know, it's 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 just something that I think cannabis we're trying to you know, destigmatize and normalize everything. The last thing I need is somebody, you know, I mean, tell me how this works. Some platform that has crypto on it got hacked and lost six hundred million dollars. Yep. If that happened to any other industry, if you don't think somebody's getting called in front of Congress or that business is going out of business, like that's happening. Oh, absolutely. If Rob, if that happened on Robinhood, yep. they would be bankrupt. They yep. would be going to zero. Yep. And so, like, I just don't need to add that that volatility or that. Uncertainty, you know, uncertainty yeah. into into a business that already that. is yeah.
0: uh, 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 uncertain enough. It's just kind of one of those things people like to add all the buzzwords together, right? Correct. They're like, oh, I'll raise a lot of money if it has this plus this robotics and crypto and weed, and now we're good. Yeah. A- you, a- know? A- you
1: know, all you need to do is <laughs> is have AI, SPAC, and crypto in there, mm. and you know that 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 reminds me of of cannabis. Um, you know, my early company, American Cannabis Company, back in 2014 we took, we took public. Yeah. Um, you I know, remember. I remember it, the yeah, it was, it was, a a consulting company, third party, um, and in-house products that we would sell to our people that we helped win licenses. And uh, I mean, look, the first day we went public, we went from three cents to 99 cents. That it was would, a good day. It, it, well, it was a very good day. <laughs> um, but, but then, you know, but because we had the buzzword and then you know, two guys that were cannabis got halted that day, ended up going to away, um, and so yeah, I, I think there's a lot of like like you said the buzzwords, um, but but we're through that now in cannabis. Totally. Like we we have true fundamentals, and so, you know, you can chase these big shiny objects to get that, you know, hundred thousand x return. But again, going back to my comment of risk adjusted or protecting on your downside not losing your Mm principal. well you don't have to do that you can 10x your money by just picking you know a handful of of us cannabis companies that have a real a very real business and waiting exactly (laughs) yeah well that's the hardest part for people right yeah (laughs) They, they can't just sit i like look i've been i've been waiting for the better part of Twelve years, <laughs> um, and I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to, you know, be in a position with Jushi that, um, you know, we we do, have you know a lot of visibility and are having conversations around how these programs are going to be structured, um, and I I take that as a very serious responsibility as being a good steward for the industry, mm-hmm. um, and making sure that. Um, you know, those programs are Im- implemented successfully to have the outcome that all these people at, you know, the political level want, that us as a business want, that the patients deserve, that the con- consumers, con- um, you know, deserve. And so um, that, that's, that's something we want to make sure, you know, we, we help and get right um, in, in any and all markets that we participate at the state level, at the local level and at the federal level.
0: That's a great transition. Um, you guys are in a lot of markets, right? I wanna play a little game. Um, tell me something that we wouldn't know about this, this state, about these markets. Pennsylvania. Uh,
1: Pennsylvania. Um, massive adoption for patients beyond any other market on the medical side. Wow. Crazy growth, and I think for a state that is known as very conservative adult uses is they a like very weed. real conversation yeah. that's being had on the republican side of the legislator mm-hmm. so i Got think it. i think you know you're seeing the business friendly side yeah uh, uh, um yeah you're you're seeing a market where you you have 500 plus 1000 patients that consume a lot of cannabis yeah and then you're also seeing a legislator and executive branch that are conservative, look at cannabis from the adult use side mm-hmm. as a real opportunity to get something done and passed to impact jobs, impact tax dollars, and impact infrastructure spend. Mm-hmm. We're, we're gonna spend, you know, we've already spent, as an industry, a billion dollars on infrastructure spend in the state of Pennsylvania. Wow billion wow for just a medical yeah, program just a medical program. that oh by the way was stood up three years ago yeah now yeah, you know, we're getting ready for hopefully adult use if you don't think everybody's at least doubling yeah you're crazy totally. uh, we're, we're we're going from a ninety thousand square foot facility to you know 250 plus thousand square foot facility mm-hmm. like we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars in scranton pennsylvania Scranton, Pennsylvania. You you know who else? Michael Scott and the office over there. Yeah, you know it's the Electric City. Or or uh, Biden, right? Biden's from Scranton too. Biden's right down the road. (laughs) Um, Look, they they have a a really smart woman as a mayor. She's an HBS grad, Harvard Business School grad, Mm -hmm. and she gets it. Like it's 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 phenomenal. That's cool. Do do you know the last time? Do you know the last time a business spent over fifty million dollars in Scranton? developing something um maybe like steel something like that it was it was a hospital okay that was funded by some taxpayer dollars they spent 64 million dollars you know three to five years ago wow i'm i'm gonna dwarf that number by the time i'm done. well that's
0: why they're so interested um
1: illinois what don't we know about illinois um i think we don't know how big that market can truly be. And I say that because I still think the pricing of cannabis is a little high there. Um, and so, um, you know, it's a billion dollar ish market right now. And, you know, it still costs anywhere between 50 to a hundred dollars to get an eighth, a hundred dollars. We, we have, we have an eighth on our shelf for a hundred dollars. Pre-tax or post tax post-tax. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's not that's not a company that's trying to be like connected. Like, that's just what the price is. Yeah, that's just and is that uh, a supply issue or? Um, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a supply issue. Um, you know, again, everybody's trying to scale up. Um, and so, you know, we, we need to. There's 18 ish facilities there that that need to get to a, a real size. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that I, that's keeping up. Um, pricing which um still allows for the illicit market to to be around and so i still think there's a triple on legal cannabis spend in the state of illinois okay i like
0: it that was that was bold
1: um virginia uh the sleeping giant has awakened um i love this by the way you're doing awesome with thanks. this game <laughs> yeah it's uh, I, I sit around and instead of sleep think about each individual market a lot but um virginia oh man i you know i've made the i made the bold claim probably in 2014 that florida would be the the best market and you know I, i think it has made some some market winners they're on a little bit of a shaky ground but you know tbd um i i think virginia is going to be right up there we're implementing flower for patients on the medical side, September 1st. Okay. I don't think too many people even know there's a medical program yeah. in the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a massive cleanup um, on the medical side uh, at the beginning of the year. We got the flower bill passed at the beginning of the year. Oh, by the way, we got adult use passed at the beginning of the year. Yep. Um, we had adult use implementation start one one Um, However, the governor there um, decided to pretty much decriminalize and legalize possession um, on July 1st of this year. And so, you know, that creates a little bit of um, a quandary for folks, Um, folks that, you know, are law-abiding citizens. I can possess cannabis, but I got to go break the law to purchase cannabis, procure cannabis. It's just, it's kind of weird. Well, that's been the dichotomy in Amsterdam forever. Correct. Right. And so I think a lot of um, legislators are really getting educated around, you know, what that looks like. So um, I think there's an opportunity to um, ensure public safety and have um, sales uh, for adult use for people that want to consume cannabis um at their pleasure as long as they're over the age of 21 um to happen sooner rather than later yep
0: yep um so you guys just came into california that's why you're here um i think a lot of the msos are a little lukewarm on california and i think a lot of california is kind of lukewarm on msos right why now what why california now
1: yeah look we we've been studying this market for three plus years Mm -hmm. Um, If you would have asked me three years ago, you know, coming out of Colorado, I would have said, you know, I wouldn't touch California with a 10-foot pole. Um, But I just don't see how you're a cannabis operator and not have a footprint or knowledge around, you know, the birthplace of cannabis um, and a market that has 42 million people. Let me repeat that. 42 million people in the state of California. Maybe that dropped a little bit. I don't care what you're selling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like you have, you just, you have to be here. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Canada has a total population of 36 million people. (laughs) I, you know, we, I, I, we, we had this great, um, because when we were going public back in June of 2019, that um we had, we had a store on Malibu that we had uh an under LOI we unfortunately we didn't close on it. Um, sixteen million people drove by that location a year mm. about mm. half the population of Canada yeah. and so these Canadian companies you know are jumping out to these massive valuation, and yet you know California is. bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you just... What is it, the fourth or fifth largest economy in the world? It's the fifth largest GDP in in the world. Which is insane. Which is is like, you know, everything cool comes from California (laughs) or New York. I like it pains me to say it. Well, thank you because I come from California. (laughs) But um, I'm glad you brought up New
0: York. Um, Wait, I want to go back to California for a second. So is there... Obviously, California is huge. You have to be here at some point. Is there a significance to this moment or just kind of how it
1: played out? Um, no, I, like, we, like I said, we've been studying the market for three plus years. Uh, I'm a firm believer in starting with retail and then backing into vertical integration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some really good opportunity on, on the retail side here in uh, California. Why is that, by the way? Take us through your thesis. Um, so t- kind of two things. I, I come out of Cardinal Health, a big pharmaceutical Medical supply uh, distributor, um, and you know we 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 had to flip from you know just distribution, which we were making literally zero money on, to self manufacturing or private label stuff, um, which you know we started to see increase in margin and we could price better and so on and so forth, because we were getting our uh, lunch eaten by you know these folks that could offer that um and so you know kind of keeping that in mind and us not being able to control the end consumer i mean we were at beck and call for the walgreens and the cvs's of the world they literally said cost plus zero or you're not getting my business anymore we said yes sir may i have some more Mm -hmm. um and so there's that piece and then also um you know when you can control a vertical um and you create shelf space a distribution point you can push through product Mm -hmm. at whatever price point you want and still make money and so um you know svetka is actually one of if not the largest volume vodkas in the u.s yeah it's not a u.s brand Mm -hmm. the guy all he did was create a sell through you know distribution platform and was like okay i need a vodka just went out and bought Svetka from Sweden and it became the largest, you know, distributed vodka. And the last piece is, you know, I get to meet and talk to a lot of super smart and interesting people in cannabis. And uh, this one individual, I tell this story all the time, um, operates his cannabis business out of his old great great grandfather's uh, shop where they used to produce Cole And he found this trunk in in the building, and it was all um, all shoe brands that they used to white label manufacture for. None of them were still around, right? Because they had no distribution, they couldn't sell and touch the end consumer. Oh. And so, um, you know, in an industry where there's still a lot of education to be done, um, I think that touch point with consumers um, is of utmost importance importance um also you get to you know see and understand what people actually buy what they don't buy um and and you just you get that visibility of that of that data because you know there's not a lot of existing data that you can pull from it's not like alcohol where i can you know go pull a nielsen report and say i know exactly what i need to produce or hey there's a gap right here let me go take it seltzers like i mean like I just don't have that data, right, mm-hmm. as cannabis. So like, you know- Or it's I,
0: very incomplete. Yeah. Right, yeah, do
1: I produce eights? Do I produce quarters? Do I produce ounces? Do I produce gummies? Do I produce hard candies? Do I produce drinks? Do I produce, you know, the litany of other things that we continue to innovate on. Um, you, you get that data on what consumers actually buy through your retail. And so in a, in a market that is very segregated, like California, coming back to your question, I want to know and understand the consumer first through retail, through retail. Cause otherwise, how do you know what to, you don't, what to produce? You're, 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 I like you're, tr- you're trusting, you know, 50 different retailers that have 50 different shops in 50 different jurisdictions. You don't, you don't know if, you know, Sally who's running in, um, uh, Palm Springs, if that consumer actually is the same as the consumer in Santa Barbara or in San Francisco or in Santa Rosa or down in San Diego. So I, it's, it's, it's that piece first and foremost. Uh, it's also in a market that is so capital intensive um, in, in an industry that's so capital intensive you can make these small bets with retail, five, ten million dollars max. You know, million dollars to build out, do it right, two million bucks. So you're making small incremental bets while you're learning. Learning, yeah. And so I'm not betting the farm. You know, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, on a farm in California. And so it's it's a good way to get a a, a read on a market, if you will. Yeah. I
0: want to close out talking about license or the different markets with saying, um, one of the hot topics right now is New York, yep. right? Um, I'm going to New York in a couple of weeks just to do some interviews out there and get some of a different perspective. I understand one time you guys owned a license in New York, um, and you used it sort of to leverage and, and finance some other things. If you look back on that, was that the right move? Do you wish you
1: had got that funding somewhere else and kept that license? Um, No. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was absolutely the right move. Um, you know, we sold, ended up selling, we had a 20% stake. Um, we ended up selling that to Cresco at about a $130 million valuation. Wow. Um, I think MedMen just sold their license to Ascend, um, you know, uh, I think maybe two months ago now, right around when Ascend went public, uh, for 75. Mm-hmm. And so we sold at double of that right. two years prior, uh, in a market that isn't even really a market. Yep. Um, and so, you know, we have, we have been able to deploy that capital and get a return that has been exponentially sure. more than what that license is, is actually worth now. And does New York interest you now? Um, I, you know, I think we'd have to get the, get the correct deal. Sure. Um, and, you know, I'd caveat that with, I think, 9 out of 10 licenses are kind of spoken for already by, mm-hmm. you know, one MSO or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it would be difficult um, to, to, to get back into that market right now. Plus, you know, there's just a lot of uncertainty with, you know, Cuomo moving on <laughs> and how the program's going to be implemented. You know, is AOC going to give everybody and their mother you know, a license on retail, on yes. cultivation, I, you know, I, there's going to
0: be so many micro licenses.
1: So, ridiculous. you know, I, I think there is, um, you know, a competitive advantage for when people can you know be vertically integrated and, you know, they'll scale up to be able to supply all those, those retails. But again, I just, I come back to my statement. I'm trying to fit an elephant through a keyhole. Mm-hmm limited capital right now Mm -hmm. and when you when you have to make that choice of where you deploy capital i just have way better opportunities for a return Mm -hmm. on roi on that capital that you know new york is what new york is yeah um no that was a
0: great explanation i I think you took us through it really really well um i want to switch gears a little bit um you guys just announced a bunch of new brands how do you think about building versus buying brands? You said earlier, there's not any national brands. Um, take me through that analysis a little bit. Yeah. You must be hit up by everybody, right? Every brand, every pre-roll, <laughs> every, everything.
1: Yeah, uh, I am. Um, and look, I, I, I'll have a conversation. I, I always want to ed, be educated and continue to be educated. Um, look, I, I think there's a couple brands that are know cool and hip and they you know they've stayed laser focused um that you know we'll you know consider moving moving forward but you know those are those are going to be you know specialized products um you know for for us how we think about brands um you know i i have i have a a gentleman his name andreas newman uh who's our you know chief creative director uh, the, the dude just won a Grammy. Like, you mm-hmm. know, that, yeah, th- this, that. this is what he does mm-hmm. um, is, is creating brands. And so, you know, I feel like um, when we deploy the amount of capital that we deploy. So let's just use we're we're getting ready to close in uh, Massachusetts. I paid one hundred and ten million dollars for my license. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I need to return on that one hundred and ten million dollars and you know that that's going to be a market that's going to continue to get competitive and you know every dollar counts um when pricing is so high you know you can kind of survive a little bit but as as that competition eats eats into that pricing it's just it's more and more imperative to either gain market share by moving down first or maintaining market share by moving down and matching that. You know i can't get caught with a contract on selling something that doesn't work economically um you know i'm paying 10 15 royalty on gross revenue like <laughs> that just doesn't work i'm i'm paying you know eight bucks for a cartridge instead of you know it costing me a dollar 42 to get myself um and so well that was the original pax play right uh, yeah <laughs> i mean a lot of people are doing it pax is doing it yeah. i think they uh, were the first, is doing it yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah they were the first to do it. and so you know i can create a brand um internally that's cool that's sexy that looks good i have the sales channel to do it oh by the way i have the product to do it and oh by the way in a pr- in a market that is categorically short biomass flour distillate what you name it, I can't produce enough. And so why would I give the economics to somebody else when I know the market needs more product and they will buy it at my price and I'll make more money? Well, well, yeah, I think that's what most people don't understand is we're still in the days of
0: just supply. Correct. Right, And, And I think that's one thing in California we take for granted is like in a lot of these other places, you can, if you have it, it's going to sell, right? And that's just not necessarily the case here. And people are very much more nuanced. Um, what happens in a world where interstate commerce is allowed or you can put stuff in the mail? Um, the MSOs that have played on the limited licenses like you have, what does that do to the economics? What does that
1: do to the future? Or is that so far in the future that it's not relevant? Um it it's seven to 10 years out. Um, you still can't, you still can't send a schedule one narcotic in the mail, by the way. Yeah. Like for It, sure. it it's, 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 it's not a thing. Um, also, you know, I, I would put it this way. It, it has to come. Like interstate commerce will come. Don't get yep. me wrong. It's yep. unconstitutional not to have interstate commerce. Yep. Um, however, I don't know one single program in the country that has the same exact regulations that another state has, especially when it comes to independent third-party testing. Mm-hmm. So I have to pass in Pennsylvania at you know, fourth to the 10th power. Oh, by the way, I have to get it tested when I harvest it and when I put it into finished product testing. Guess what other state does something like that? Mm. None. And if you think the, the uh, conservative legislator of the state of Pennsylvania is going to be like, you know what? It comes out of California or Oregon or Illinois, for that matter. And I'm not going to have the same exact protection for my consumer or patients in the state of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. You're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're, they're just not going to bend on that. Yep. And so, oh, by the way, in Pennsylvania, I can't remediate products. You know where else you can't remediate product? No. Nowhere, and so you know it—it's just—it's so—it's—it's—it's—it's so so different in every single market. Like it's—it's just—it's just going to take time. I think that's a really good explanation for, for some for some state to allow cannabis from some other state yep. to, to come in. Um, oh, by the way, you know, not, not to mention the job, the infrastructure, the tax dollars. Mm-hmm. That, all those things that, you know, um, a legislator is going to want to ensure that their people are looked after the most. And so I, I, I think there's going to be a moat around states for the very foreseeable future. How about delivery? Should each one of these states have delivery? Um. You know that's a good question. Uh, I I don't I don't have an answer to that. Um, you know should a patient that's you know bedridden and can't get out be able to take a delivery? Absolutely. Um, I just don't know if it's economically viable yet. Um, you know we're we're in a unique situation in Virginia where I have my HSA. I'm in HSA too. Uh, I can deliver in my HSA. You know who else can deliver into my HSA? Nobody. <laughs> and so if I can't figure out how to deliver there economically and, and, and get all the kinks worked out in everything, um, you know, I, I shouldn't be doing it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I kind of view it as like a... I think I'm a little different in the fact that I think it should be viewed more like a, a dom- I, I think delivery should go by way of pizza, And and the best pizza delivery that I know is, is Domino's Mm -hmm. tech driven, um, you know, very much one of, you know, five options when you view my retail of a way to pick up your cannabis. Uh, You have your, your traditional retail sales floor, you have your express pickup, you have curbside pickup, you have drive through, and then you have delivery. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just one of five channels mm-hmm. um, that that you can you can get your cannabis from, um, and you better be able to place that order and get that cannabis within 30 minutes or mm-hmm. an hour. Mm-hmm. And, you know that that's that you know you better not be more than that because, I mean I don't like waiting for shit, um, and <laughs> I know everybody else is now now now. Um, and so I think you, that's what you got to figure out from a, uh, an economic perspective, mm-hmm. um, for, for, for it to work. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of this, you know, kind of direct to consumer kind of omni-channel thing, mm-hmm. um, going on. I think that'll be interesting. It is interesting. Um, but again, as a retailer. Obviously,
0: we're a long way from that happening, yep. especially in other states. But as a retailer, does that concern you? I mean, the fact that these other brands will say, "Well, <coughs> you didn't buy us, so we're going around
1: you." Yeah. Look, uh, you know, it, it, it. To be honest, it's it's really only possible in in California today. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. today, correct. Yeah. Um, no. Look, I I think, um. A, I think it will get more people into the um regulated cannabis industry Mm -hmm. um first and foremost so that's what i'm that that, don't get me wrong that is what i'm first and foremost all about getting people good priced standardized product that's been independently verified third party tested at a good reasonable price Mm -hmm. and so the more people we can bring into the industry the better and if that opportunity presents itself for somebody from a business perspective to bring awareness to their product, 100% they should absolutely do that because I would venture to bet you eight out of 10 people that do order direct from somebody will have a good experience to say, okay, that was pretty cool, but I want to go try something else just to make sure I like that one. Mm -hmm. And that person will go into a regulated store Mm -hmm. to continue to be educated, see what else is out there. And so I, I just think it's, it's good for the industry as a, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one that I say, you know, the rising tide ra- yeah. raises all boats.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. The, the, the pie is huge. You don't have to have the whole thing.
1: <laughs> I mean, shit, man. Like, you know, it's, it's a, you know, I sneeze and it's a $10 billion industry here in California. It's probably a $25 billion yeah, industry yeah, here yeah, in California. And yeah. so... Um, you know, give, give me, give me 2% of that, mm-hmm. 1% of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I just, I do the, you know, what's that EBITDA equate to? What is that multiple equate to? It's just, I don't need to own 5% or 10%. It's, it's just not necessary. I think you, we got to get people into the, the regulated cannabis industry and we have to price it correctly to do so. And keep the taxes
0: to a point that it's doable Correct. and keep the black market at bay. Yeah. yeah. Look,
1: it, it um, El- Illinois is a crazy example of this, that they have high taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're 30 plus percent actually for like the last four or five months, the state has collected more cannabis tax dollars than alcohol. That's wild. They, That's wild. they just went legal. A yeah. year and a half ago. Yeah. How long has alcohol been legal? Yeah. Like, they are they are twenty percent more tax dollars a month yeah. in the state of Illinois than alcohol. That's insane. Wow. I that's and, a that's a great stat. And, and 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 like I said earlier, we're still three x from where we're at right now mm-hmm. on on what that market's going to do. I, you know, that's conservative in my mind.
0: Yeah. Um, How about these other alternative products? There's this narrative that the huge next wave of consumers is coming in, you know, soccer moms and all this stuff, and they want beverages and low dose edibles and breath strips or whatever else they can come up with. What says you about that? Is that as big as we
1: think it is? Um, I'll, I'll put it this way. So the green solution, I was the president. We had 23 stores, I think, by the time I left in Colorado, pretty mature market. We produced hundreds and hundreds of SKUs. Mm-hmm. Totally, a lot of different products. Mm-hmm. Drinks was one of those. You know, we ran specials. We tried 10 MGs. We tried five MGs. We tried 100 MGs. We tried two MGs. Didn't matter. Yeah. 1% of sales, yeah. max. Wow. Um, And so, you know, I'm a firm believer that there's, there's about, you you need to have, uh, there's, there's about, there's the flour, the pre-rolls, there's the vapes, and then there's a select few infused products that you need to have on your shelf. It's about 20% of your product mix. Yeah. That'll equate to... Over eighty percent of what your sales will actually be. Okay. Um, And so, you know, look, I, I think, I think there's there's going to be products that bring people into the market, um, but they'll they'll divert back to the norm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most people will. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the the piece that is that next wave of product. I don't think it's it's delivery methodology. Consumption, um, I think it's, you know, hey, mixing um, f- specific formulations with multiple cannabinoids as well as terpene profiles. I think that's the, that's the next wave of of. Totally agree. What what is going to be coming Everybody's for people to get into on, into the industry on THC?
0: Yep. And I, most people don't care about THC. I think that's just the truth. Today's consumer does, but I don't think tomorrow's consumer will. Um, but we'll see.
1: Uh, yeah, look, look, I, I, um, I, you know, again, go back to, you know, kind of my stuff when I would speak in 2014. I was, you know, I was one singing from the mountaintops that, um, you know, come, come 2020, 2025, flowers going to be like 30, 40 percent of sales. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole concentrates and infused products are going to be, you know, 60, 70 percent. And you know what, that's not, that's just not, it's not going to be the case. No. Um, Flower is still 60% of, of sales. I don't think it's going to move much from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to make these whole big decrees around, I just think THC is going to go by way of, you know, THC, because people are going to get educated. Um, I, you know, I, I think people are going to continue to learn about you know terpene profiles and and all of that stuff, but uh, but I also and offset time too, yep. right? Yeah, I, I, and so I, I I don't think there's going to be a consumer that always just wants a 25 plus THC testing yeah, strain. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't think that's going to go away for qu- quite some time, and because I just don't think is going away for quite some time. Um, and so yeah, I think people are going to become you know, more attuned as cannabis again becomes more normalized of maybe some smoking something that is like an eight to 12% THC for like a good solid buzz. But then I go back to that person's more than likely going to pop, you know, a 2.5 milligram infused product, then smoke a smoke flower. When somebody smokes flower... They're they're gonna want to get high, and they know what they're doing. Exactly.
0: Right? Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Um, let's shift a little bit. We're almost done here, promise. Um, you have such an amazing background, right? You've done all this experience. You're talking about back to 2013, 2014, which is forever in weed years, right? Why Juicy?
1: You could be doing a lot of stuff. Why Juicy? Um, yeah. Look, I, I um, f- first off, I, I've I've enjoyed and learned a ton. From a business perspective, from Jim Cassiopo, from from Eric Moff, um, Dennis Arsenal, who was one of the other co-founders, uh, former CEO and chairman of Organogram, uh, who has been a client and become a very good friend of mine since you know 2013, um, you know vouched for Jim Cassiopo, who was a large shareholder through his family office in OGI, um, and it was something that you know, at at that time when 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 Jushi was getting talked about, late twenty seventeen, early twenty eighteen, um, you know, I was still viewed as kind of like this younger guy who, you know, didn't have the Rolodex uh, or you know credo that um, you know Jim and an Eric uh, did, um, and and Dennis for that matter as well from a, a, a relationship, capital raising, capital allocation, and um you know that played a huge part into why we sold tgs national um and me coming over in that transaction um and so you know i've learned a lot from them we've made the right strategic choices i think it's a great place to you know continue to work and grow um we have a kick-ass like operational team um in place that you know takes that whole aspect of the business, um, you know, I don't want to say off our plates, but like, you know, we, we can, you know, sit back and relax and do Do the quantitative analysis Mm and, you know, say, Hey, why aren't we doing it this way? Why aren't we doing it that way? Mm -hmm. Um, and and so it's, it's, it's just a really good, um, you know, platform from that perspective. And then, you know, I, I also think, um, We as Jushi have um, a real opportunity to continue to, you know, progress and put programs in place at the state level, local level, and ensure that at the national level, this, this thing gets done and, you know, done correctly. So I I do have a little bit of um, responsibility and, and being able to have that, you know, social impact and social change. And you talked uh, about being days. a good steward of capital several times in this yeah. interview. I think that's really important and, like, fairly novel in the cannabis industry, right? Yeah. That's kind of a new idea. Yeah, look, I, I I have a lot of my own personal money into this. Jim does and John and and Eric and Dennis. And, you know, we don't get to go to, like, the big PE firms and be like, yo, dude, write us a $250 million yeah. check. Yeah. It, it's It's friends. It's family. And so...
0: That's yeah, very personal for um, you. It, yeah. It's
1: it's extremely personal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to be in the industry. You know, my first investment was 2009 with my cousin. Wow. Um, you know, she she was an owner-operator in, in Colorado. Um, and I've seen what it was then um, to what it was in 2013, 2014, 2015, and to what it is now and, you know, Cannabis has, has, um, provided me a lot of really cool experiences. Got to meet a lot of people that if I was still working at Cardinal health would have never happened. You would have still been slinging opioids, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Don't, don't, you know, that's a, that's a whole separate you. conversation. That's the only reason I know about um, it from 60 minutes. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a, that's a whole different conversation. And so, yeah, I, I, I have some, uh, some personal, Yeah. Um, And you can tell that you're very passionate about it. I I like anybody that's passionate about what they do. Yeah. And and, so cool. And, and, you know, I feel like I have a very unique perspective to ensure that these programs get rolled out correctly that benefit patients and consumers um, and and not hamstring, you know, companies in in the meantime or set people up for, for failure. Like, you know, I. How, how some of these social equity programs have been rolled out is just, you know, miser- miserable. It's embarrassing. Um, and, I agree. And so, you know, I, I think being able to, to be in a position with Jushi to, to learn and teach and have those converse- real conversations is, is, I mean, super important. <laughs> Hey, everybody. So
0: sorry. We had some technical difficulties right at the end of this episode. Uh, You didn't miss much. We kind of just said goodbye and thanked each other. And thanks again to Trent and Jushi for coming on the show. It was a great, great interview, and I hope you guys all enjoyed it.